Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. Hello and welcome to Headliners. I'm Simon Evans. Joining me tonight, Diane Spencer and Eric McElroy. Lady, gentlemen, how are you? Very well, thank you. Good. How are you? You look absolutely splendid, of course. You're so Orange happy. and teal, I believe. It's the favourite colour scheme of, uh, of Hollywood movies, isn't it? They try, always try and create that. It pops. They, they, they oh. highlight each other. They, they complement each other very well on the colour wheel. If you watch a lot of movies now, you will find... Orange, of course, is quite easily just like people's faces. <laughs> but, um, yeah, teal offsets it beautifully. Yeah. I'm not saying you are orange-haired, of course. I don't know what colour you what, what, How would you describe your colour scheme? I was going to say, how do I look tonight, Simon? I mean, I would guess, Winter. what is that, kind of turquoise and, and grey? Yeah, yeah, I suppose so, but... No, you know, no movies have ever scooped up... This Academy is not the movie look? ...based on that, no. No, all right. Maybe yeah. a nice dinner service. Well, I'm feeling good, because last week I was with you, I was pre... Mug. That's what you <laughs> a mug. I feel like one now. Yeah. Well, there'll be a lot of commemorative mugs coming up soon, but it's not quite Jubilee weekend yet. So let's have a look and see what is in the newspapers. Thursday's front pages. We will start with the Daily Mail, as always. They persist with their line of uh, indifference and fatigue about the Sue Gray report. Is that it? They are not impressed. They do not believe that we should be wasting any more time on that. Uh, the Daily Telegraph have gone with Sunak to extend energy bill relief. There is a lot of uh, whispering and murmuring that there may be significant windfall taxes and that some of those uh, funds will be passed on to consumers. And Johnson denies cover-up over Carrie's ABBA party at Downing Street. Flat winner takes it all. The Guardian have drinking fights and vomiting all in a day's work, says the PM. And I have to say, as a stand-up comedian of some 25 years standing, I would probably have to agree with him. Um, we have the Financial Times. Johnson unbowed as Gray lays bare lurid details of number 10 parties. As Harrison Ford once said to George Lucas, you can write this stuff, George, but you can't say it. <laughs> anyway, China's economy faces struggle to keep expanding, Premier Lee admits. Uh-oh. Uh, the Mirror has Partygate official report. They, unsurprisingly, are rather more bullish on Sue Gray than the Mail. While we were sacrificing and mourning... <clears throat> I don't remember sacrificing. Um, I suppose some of the more pagan parts of northern Scotland, possibly. They were drinking until they were sick, laughing at security guards, laughing at cleaners. That is, I do find, perhaps the most disgusting detail, personally. <coughs> Excuse me. The Daily Express. Really? Is this what all that fuss is about? as Boris flourishes a, uh, a sugar-free can of soda and there's a pint of orange juice in the foreground. Very, very different takes on the same events. The sun, the party gate is over. Uh, they too feel that this thing has run its course and Mossy backs ex Depp. When did Kate Moss become Mossy? That's a sad decline, isn't it, for the dignity of a supermodel? I think our last one this evening is the Metro. Uh, we got away with it. So that is a simply pragmatic assessment of the uh, chances of Johnson resigning at this point. Those are the headlines. Let's see what's inside. <music> 
so the Metro says red wine in number 10, walls, number 10 walls, hmm. vomiting, fighting, but we got away with it. What, what do we think? Is, have they got away with it? Who's going who's to lead off? You going with this? Um, uh, yeah, I'll lead off. So we have now got uh, the Sue Gray report. And as you quite rightly pointed out, uh, the different papers, depending on their stance, have gone with different angles. And The mm. Guardian have gone with vomiting and partying until 4 a.m. Sue Gray delivers damning verdict on Boris Johnson's number 10. Mm. Uh, obviously, as soon as they got the report, it was very exciting for us all because mm. we have waited months for Sue Gray's album. Mm. There was a massive queue outside HMV. Yeah. And when we finally got it and they put it all up, I'm so happy think, it came with pictures. Did, did the new iPhones come with it already pre-uploaded? Oh, yeah, <laughs> everybody already yeah. got it. You two are fuming <laughs> that Sue Gray has stepped in onto their turf. Yeah. Um, I mean, clearly they, they did drink a lot, so much so that um, so many people are blurry in the photo. I feel drunk looking at it. Mm. And they have all this evidence. So they have 37 pages, nine photographs, several parts of people's bodies that have been photocopied and that's a bit 80s isn't it were they really photocopied <laughs> that really would really distress me well it's easier than doing it through but a fax just to i mean the, essentially the, the proposition is that johnson shows up at these things goes oh, awfully well done everyone you know carry on and goes home right yeah. and then things get out of hand now i'm not i'm not letting him off the hook but that's the general gist of it right that's the general what he is trying to spin yeah have they found any sort of evidence that that isn't what happened though well, as far as I'm aware, we haven't determined the exact amount of time he spent at the parties yet. As no. far as I'm aware, that may yeah. have changed. That may be on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I find it appalling that he said that he was renewing his apology. No, sir, that's that's not how apologies work. You oh, don't no? renew like an apology. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't renew. Have to yes. log on to the council.gov.uk. <laughs> mean... Oh, no, they've changed all the apology uh, <laughs> form and now you have to provide a gas bill to... Uh... Well, you have exactly identified my problem with it. You yeah. do not renew it unless you regard an apology as a transaction. Yeah. And this is not a transaction. I suppose restate it, emphasise it, something like renew your vows, I suppose he's thinking of, isn't he? Well, vows with all the vomit, yeah. maybe he should regurgitate <laughs> his apology. You don't know. Somebody might have vomited. I mean, that, you know, it might have been the orange juice might have been off. You know, we've all had a bad pint. I don't think oh. you can necessarily... <laughs> if Boris Johnson wasn't actually in, in the loo holding back somebody's hair, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you can throw that. What do you think, Eric? I can well, yeah. imagine you're... Well, you're... well, looking at him, he doesn't really care about hair, so that wouldn't be no. his priority in that case. Um, I mean, this clearly was a government that wasn't as interested in lockdowns as much as they were lock-ins, because mm. that's what they were essentially doing Very most good. of the time. Thank you very much. Probably not the first time it's been I bet it has. I thought of it today. I thought someone else must have clearly <laughs> come across this one already. But, I mean, you were right. I mean, with people getting ill, there was an altercation. It reminded me of the hyena in Newcastle. Remember yeah. that comedy club? That yeah. was rough. Oh, that Did was dangerous. Did you ever stay over there as well? Their oh, yeah. The whole thing. But, I mean... I guess, I mean, yes, people are going to look at the Suga report. People on the left are saying, look, this is the proof that we needed. People on the right are saying yeah. there's nothing to see here. My favorite page of the uh, Suga report, I'd like to quote it quickly now if I can. Um, this page is left intentionally blank. <laughs> that was... Uh, like a birthday card. Yeah, I think because that, that's where you can just put your own you opinions your own in there. You can write your own... Whatever you want to see. Your own confirmation bias. That's yes. quite... <laughs> <laughs> Guilty as charged. So to Thursday's Times next, Eric, and this is the absolutely tragic school shooting in America. I don't expect you to try and uh, extract humour from this. No. Under pressure to do so. Very sad. There isn't any pressure to be amused by this. It, I mean, 
coming from the U.S., you know, I do understand the gun culture because I did grow up around it. It is part of the U.S. But watching this happen, and it doesn't normally get me anymore because it happens so much, but this mm -hmm. is the 27th school shooting this year in the United States. Yeesh. 2020, the biggest killer of teenagers and children was were guns. Mm. And I'm not saying that people can't have guns in America, mm. but this fetish with militarized weaponry is, yeah. and the people who are behind that fetish are the people who are supposedly screaming to protect the unborn, but yeah. once you're born, they well, don't care. I have seen, just to say, I have seen that comparison being made on Twitter and so on, oh, you know, you're okay to school, shoot kids, but you can't um, have an abortion. I don't think that's a helpful conflation. But it's true. Issues. No, it's not <laughs> yeah. true because you're not allowed to kill people. You just, people do it in the same but, way that if they're not allowed to have but, abortions, but they, they might don't, have back street The, the difference, Simon, they're is... They're against the, the law, but they're, aren't they? But they're not push, They're not doing anything to change it. They just go, thoughts and prayers, and what but can we do? But it is illegal. It's a misrepresentation of the culture to say they're fine with people killing kids. They're not fine with it. It's okay to yeah. have guns, so let's focus but on if, that and not bring in abortion. Here's my argument. Mm. Do you want them to, to ban automatic weapons? Do you want them to ban assault rifles? Or do you, as I do, think mm. that actually, yes, raising the age limit at which you're allowed to get hold of them would actually be a really valid step? Because it does seem to me that a lot of the school shootings occur with people who've left school quite recently, harboured grudges against it for a long time. If that's your main concern, rather than, you know, the blood shared every weekend in Chicago between rival drug gangs and so on. If it's school shootings you want to stop, the obvious thing to do would be, as the woman said in the news, raise the age to 21 or even 25, at which point, you know, the, the testosterone eases off a little bit, the crazy yeah. dies down a bit. I mean, that would be my... I mean, why does the average person need military-grade weapons? And when the yeah. Constitution was written, it took two minutes to reload a gun. So how do we need this level of weaponry to yeah. have a right to bear arms? And that's where it's obscene. I mean, the shooting in Buffalo, was it, I can't remember if it was last week, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't a young man, that was an adult. It was a racist shooting, you know, in a yeah, black yeah. neighborhood. The, so, the question would be, in that respect, the question would be in terms of um, the Constitution and the Second Amendment, is that it's like any arms race, you know. It, at, at some point, uh, the, uh, the, the technology improves, the availability yeah. weaponry improves. If the point of, of, being, of being allowed to have, uh, uh, to bear arms is that, you know, a well-organised militia is the best defence against yeah. a tyranny, then they do need to keep pace with what that tyranny might be packing. What well, would you think, Diane? Um, I, um did have a theory about this. My theory was that um, in order to not go over the right to bear arms, mm. um, could they not sort of introduce a grading system where um, if, say, the first time you can own a gun, you are 21, but you literally do get a gun that takes you two minutes to load, like you get right. a musket or something, or you get sort of an eoka with a, with a flint or something, you know, something that means that you have to stop, you have to pause. It's what is terrifying is that the particular weapon he used is an armor light rifle that's what the ar stands for 15 mm. and it is a semi-automatic so every time you pull the trigger it automatically reloads for you yeah. and that is a very big issue because that can cause a lot of damage and that particular gun has been used uh it was in the 2012 sandy hook 2017 las vegas 2017 Sutherland Springs, 2018, the uh, Douglas High School, and now this one. Hmm. So there is clearly an issue with this gun as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. I tend to agree with you. I mean, I think it is a, a, you know, a very dangerous weapon. It mm. allows you to kill a lot of people before somebody can intervene. Yeah, yes. There's no question. 
and lots of other countries have access to guns, but mm. no other country in the West has the, the, the shootings that we do. No. Partly because they're just, they're so prolific, but there's also wider problems there. And the reason why I say they're not willing to do anything on the Republican side is because they will just, they shrug this off. Ted Cruz, who's the senator from Texas, will be at the NRA this Friday, mm -hmm. but the NRA has banned guns from that meeting. The mm. National Rifle Association doesn't want guns at their own meeting because mm. they know that they're dangerous. Back to Thursday's Guardian, Diane. We are all worried about inflation, but it may not affect everyone equally, it seems. I mean, that's yes. pretty much the rule of the universe, I guess, isn't it? <laughs> yes. You're telling me that the universe isn't a fair meritocratic fair. system? What? What's going on? I've, brought, I've been brought into the wrong we matrix. We rich people buy things that go up in value. You see, that's, that, inflation is good for us. Yeah, and the, um, poor people <laughs> buy things that yes. crumble um, straight right. away. So uh, the inflation rate for the UK's poorest is forecast to hit 14% after the price Oof. cap rise. So um, this is absolutely appalling because... Uh, the Institute for Fiscal Studies have said that the poorest tenth of the population mm. will spend proportionately the most of their money on heating and yeah, yeah. food. Because obviously they're going to be, you might think, oh, but don't rich people have massive mansions that they need to heat? Yes, well, those massive mansions are probably well insulated. They probably have very good double glazing. They yeah. probably have radiators throughout them. I mean, when you are somebody who perhaps rents from a landlord, a lot of rental properties don't even have radiators and the landlord will sort of bung some horrible electric heater in which will just mm. suck all your money away. Funny enough, I, I used an electric heater recently in, mm. a, in a, like a home office thing and I just had a little, you know, radiator that you plug in and it not, like, looks like a proper radiator but it's on wheels like and you plug it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because we have a smart meter, I had previously always assumed it was a reasonably sort of efficient way. It is much cheaper to just heat the whole house with, mm. with the gas, with the, if you have gas-fired yeah. central heating, then to have one portable, they are astonishingly expensive. I mean, wow. it was about four pounds an hour or Ooh. something just to have, and it was quite small, you know, it wasn't on red hot. I mean, yeah, it's, I've got to say that the smart meter is a bit of an eye-opener, actually. I'm, obviously, we're also seeing extraordinary price rises anyway, but it's quite mm. useful to know yeah. what actually is doing well. it. I know what my wife would say to you, Simon, yeah. put a jumper on. Yeah, yeah. She wouldn't, she wouldn't, she doesn't <laughs> let me use I space heaters. I like this. I've got, I've got this, it's called a, um, a wheat bag or something. It's a sort of microwavable, it's like a little bean bag. But oh, yeah. You put it around your neck because I get quite bad neck ache. And the best way to alleviate that is to bring blood into the muscles in the neck. And the best way to do that is to heat them up. So you put this wheat bag in the microwave for two minutes. And, and that's quite affordable, two minutes in the microwave, that's about 10 minutes in, in, in electric. And then you've got it around your neck and then you feel nice and cosy, you right. know, throughout. Yeah. If you had about two, maybe a couple of wheat bag anklets, yeah, right you know, the, you yeah, know, the ones that you run with I and, get cold and, the, and yeah. around the wrists and you'd be done. You well, know. Or maybe a whole like wheat bag onesie. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there we go. Put it if in the oven. You would have to have a quite a large there? microwave yeah. to get it all Dragon's in. Dragon's Den, anybody? More uh, like a suit of armor. got a customer here <laughs> who wants a wheat bag onesie. <laughs> Thursday's Telegraph now, Eric. Uh, this is a rather disturbing story as well. I promise you the second uh, half of this show will be a lot less uh, worrying. Uh, ambulance yeah. delays are starting to constitute a major crisis. They're, they're getting blocked up, I believe. Is that right? Yeah. So Mark Dotery, who's a West Midlands Ambulance Service um, director, uh, he's predicted that um, ambulances are going to be stop being able to get people into hospitals, specifically on the 17th of August, right? Uh, which is a very specific day. Yeah. So don't hurt yourself around then. But he said that basically has to do with the fact that in, in England, hospitals are not discharging patients quickly enough, and already people are getting stuck in the ambulance 
ambulances for too long, and some people have died in the ambulance waiting to get a hospital bed. But the six, roughly 62% of people in the hospital, you know, they're not getting put out. They're healthy enough yeah. to go home, but they aren't. I don't know if they just like the food, and so they stay. I'm not sure. Blood blockers, Prob no, blood blockers bed blockers. Bed block but I, blood but they, blockers. they may not have That's a place to, to go to because of care home problems and so on. So he's yeah. predicted based on you know, looking at the rotas and the and peaks of various things that, um, he's not cl quite clear how he's gotten to this date, but it, the 17th of August is where it's gonna reach a crisis point. It's horrific though, there are people stuck in the ambulance for over 24 hours apparently. They yeah. park outside the hospital and then they, it's a bit, it does remind you, uh, I don't know whether it is a it is a comparable situation to the you know the supply chain problem with the tankers and so on you know mm. ships stuck in docks and not able yeah. to you know it kind of feels like there's a lot of that sort of thing going on at the moment like we're just yes. not systems aren't flowing as the, mm. as they should do I don't know whether it's staff or whether it is literally beds but as you say once people get comfortable in bed I mean I've seen when my mother was uh, taken into hospital about a year ago, she had something that vaguely resembled a stroke, although it wasn't a stroke, it seems. But those were the mm. symptoms. She was confused. She couldn't speak coherently. She was taken into hospital, and I went in to see her a couple of days after she went in, and she looked the best she'd been in years. Mm. I mean, she looked really happy. She was still a bit incoherent with the speech, but she looked relaxed, comfortable. She looked like, I mean, she lives with my dad, you know, she's not mm. lonely and alone, but I think it's quite nice if you're old to go into hospital sometime. There is a danger that you might just think, oh, I'm not quite ready to go home yet. You know, oh, I can understand I that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, <laughs> we had to winkle her out after a couple of days. Like, Come on, that's enough of that. Yeah. The, no, let me take just the one bed. one more stew. <laughs> yeah. It's not an indictment of, her, of your father, is it? <laughs> he was visiting quite frequently. It didn't seem to hurt. <laughs> Oh, well, I mean, this mainly seems to... This is coming from the West Midlands Ambulance Service. Mm. So, and, and this is where uh, this gentleman is, is saying that this is going to be a problem. Yeah. So, yes, if you are near the West Midlands uh, around sort of this date... Call I think, a hospital, uh, an ambulance for a Call a taxi. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that um, the... Uh, he's doing it in the Elvis calculation. You know the Elvis calculation? Yeah. If there's so many Elvis impersonators and they double every oh, yeah, year, yeah. by a certain year we'll all be Elvis. Yes. I think possibly that's the maths here. He's extrapolating mm. too closely to a single curve, yes. Very likely. We need Steve again, don't we? <laughs> so the Times for the last story of this before the break, uh, Diane, they have the latest news from the Ukraine conflict. Belarus are doing some sort of uh, distraction technique, is that right? They are. They're attempting mm. their very best. They yeah. are spreading troops around the Brest region, uh, which is funny to say. Uh, <laughs> so uh, they're being used on the border to distract the Ukraine. And yeah. the Brest region is in the lower left-hand corner. Come on, grow up. The Brest region and is in the, the lower left-hand corner. It's that in the lower left-hand corner. <laughs> it's in the lower left-hand corner age, surely, of Belarus. <laughs> well, it's, it's sort of hanging above the head of Ukraine. And um, they've moved seven battalions there. Yeah. And they've also moved something called an Iskander M missile uh, right. launcher. And the Iskander M is um, it's a ballistic missile it's capable of supersonic speeds and it has got a range of about 400 kilometers right. well the missiles that they've got for it and it can take several different payloads what on speed the missile. Did you say supersonic or hypersonic no it's supersonic supersonic um so but the problem is is that ukraine does not have any anti-missile um capabilities mm. yeah However, they are sort of talking about this, saying, well, we don't think Belarus is going to come in. We think they're more just sort of trying to distract us a bit because obviously mm -hmm. the Russians are trying to get everything done in the Donbass region, which yeah. thankfully they are failing at miserably. Mm. And uh, the Belar Belarusians are just trying to sort of yeah, yeah. try and pull some of their 
troops away. Yeah. But Ukraine are quite confident that they can focus on the Donbass region. And ignore that. And that yeah, and, if yeah. Any, and it's all a bit Bluff. of posturing, actually. Yeah. Any thoughts on that, Eric? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I don't think that... Well, I would imagine the Belarusians don't want to go in because they've seen what the Ukrainians are doing to the Russians. Yeah. And they'd yeah. be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. we'd rather not have a piece of that. And welcome back to Headliners, part two. I am Simon Evans, I'm alongside Diane Spencer and Eric McElroy, and we start part two in China, Diane. Yet another thing we probably need to be very worried about. Well, um, so Beijing uh, risks new Cold War after leaked document reveals it's pursuing a Pacific Island deal. Mm. So, the, so Wang Yi, the Chinese foreign minister, uh, is doing a tour of the... Um, Pacific Islands and trying to arrange uh, this sort of um, lateral agreement with these oh. Pacific Islands and with China because I think that China is secretly building like its own version of NATO because mm -hmm. when you look at the map it's blatantly trying to create sort of this wall between itself the Pacific Islands, and then America. So that would be SPATO, wouldn't it? South Pacific Treaty Organization. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be SPATO. SPAMO. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, is it is it illegitimate that they should they should regard that as their sphere of influence, do you think, compared to America and their sort of uh, presumption that people aren't allowed to come and fool around the Caribbean and so on? Um, I don't know if it's uh, presumptuous. I'm mm. not sure if it's illegitimate because they're, they're, they seem to be doing it in a... A, well, a good is, way. They seem their, to be approaching yes. people and sort of chatting to them yeah. and saying, well, why don't you come and be part of this? Trade delegations, um, always. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Penny Wang, who is the Australian foreign minister, is quickly, she is very new in her role, but she's now been sort of uh, scrambled like mm. a jet and she's now following <laughs> round. Not like an egg. <laughs> like, well, yeah, it could be a jet, could be an egg. It depends how she feels. And she's, it's a bit like wacky races. They're both sort of going around these po po right. like islands. These islands don't have any loyalty to Australia, though. They're not sort of territorial possessions at all. They're, they're kind of closer to Australia, but uh, they're not territorial they're... possessions, no. but they are closer. And there's obviously around sort of uh, the Indo-Pacific region, there's a lot of cross cultures. Everybody comes yeah. to different places. Everybody's got already existing agreements. I seem to remember seeing a, um, a question on uh, on University Challenge earlier this year, in which various parts of this this area, you know, you had to say which European power still essentially had, like like oh, Commonwealth or whatever. Because there were quite a few that were French, quite a few that were Dutch, quite a few that were English. You know. Under <laughs> <laughs> your breath. Shh. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously uh, hotting up, isn't it? The uh, the land grabs. Well, it's not a land grab. It's more like a sea grab, really, isn't it? Mm. Even though they are little islands, as you say, it's it's naval bases, and you start to expand that way, and it becomes quite. Um, you think, well, what's the size of some of these villages? And and they're not not huge economies, but they are quite useful refuelling depots. Yeah, they're strategically sort yeah. of in a, in a geographical space, they are important, but yeah. what is, is is exactly what you just said. They are trying to get a meeting with China, mm. but China is responsible for a lot of the climate change. And mm. if the mm. sea levels do rise, then some of those uh, relationships are gonna make, they better be submarine bases. Very good point. Staying in Asia, Eric. Yes. And the cuddly regime that is North Korea <laughs> are uh, mounting yet another charm offensive. <laughs> Well, um, Joe Biden was in the region recently visiting yeah. friends and chatting. And um, as he left North Korea,
Korea launched a series of three missiles. As a sort um, of farewell. It was like a farewell. <laughs> I mean, Don't let the ICBM hit you on the ass yeah, on the way out. Exactly. Um, one of them was an intercontinental ballistic weapon, which is the nicest. Right. It was a part, I mean, they never gave one to Trump. No. So the, Trump's going to be upset Did, about like, this. Have a little colored trail out the back. Yeah, the yeah. Like, <laughs> Joe Biden's got the T-shirt that says, yes. "I went to Southeast Asia and all I got was an intercontinental yeah. missile." Um, this was their 17th major test since January, wow. so clearly they're jealous that and all. Still, they have no vaccine, no. No, and that's no. the other problem is that COVID is raging in the country yeah. at the moment, allegedly. And um, although I mean, maybe they benefit in this regard from having quite a young population, I believe that is very true. That yeah. would be better, and they're already kind of in a lockdown essentially, yeah, yeah. so, so that's it's not, okay. not anywhere to go. But they're uh, refusing any sort of help, aren't they? They don't they, like that. They don't like that because it could undermine his control because, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, a godlike figure the for the soleil de nos jours. Yeah, he's... Uh, but without uh, the splendor. He's spending all of his money on these tests, so he's better hopes that COVID doesn't strike too badly. Dude, I mean, I, I get that they test and they flourish and they, you know, they flex, but it's absurd, isn't it? They're not going to use this, are they? Well, they, North Korea cannot invade anyone. No. Because the second that they move all of their troops into another country, all their troops are going to run away going, oh my yes. God, we made it! And yeah. they're never going to come back. Right. So they have to always go from a position of defence. Yeah. And I think that they are... The Kims are obviously very wary of losing any power, and so they have to keep flexing. Mm. And it's also a bit of a tantrum because yeah. they receive so much foreign aid anyway, monetarily speaking. And every time they want a little bit more aid, sort of uh, the regime kind of goes, oh, look at all these missiles. Oh, well, maybe we should fire them. And they go, oh, well, let us work with you. They are they are very heavily reliant. We have a system at home aid. called BNW. Do you know what it stands for? Hmm. Barking never works. That's <laughs> how you train a dog not to bark, and it worked with ours. Barking gets no response. Well, you hmm. should go That's to North Korea do. then. Ballistics never works. <laughs> <laughs> Diane Thursday's son has the latest on the spread of monkeypox. Okay, so our favourite new virus. Um, good news, everybody, yeah. in my humble opinion. Um, uh, despite the fact they've made a list of the uh, symptoms, and they're saying that severe monkeypox patients could be infectious for up to 10 weeks, which is what scientists have discovered, right. um, a person is not contagious during the incubation periods. Right. Mm. However, they do become contagious and they are able to spread the virus once they are showing symptoms, including the rash. Yeah, so, these nasty kind of really horrible weeping sore type things, yes. aren't they? It's not like a rash, like, well, I mean, they're a bit like chickenpox, I suppose, isn't it? Isn't oh, yes, yeah. it looks like chickenpox yeah. initially. Um, but this is this is proper plaguey stuff. Like, And is it not spread, is it essentially an STD, although it's not being described as one, is it not? It's spread very, it, it's spread through contact. Yeah. yeah, it's not traditionally uh, an STD, but the people that it's been spreading with have been cozy with each other. Right. Um, and, you know, I mean, one of the so things... it's a CTD. Yeah, I think C it's... Cuddling. Cuddling. Yeah. I mean, whenever I see someone with scabs and lesions, I think, oh... Mm. <laughs> It's a little bit of a thing, but um, but the ten week of ten week of potential isolation from this. I mean, I isolated when I had COVID, and I got all of my shredding done. Yeah, I didn't right. have to do the dishes. I didn't have to walk the dog. So I'm thinking, ten weeks. I could I could complete the internet in you ten could, weeks. You could write the book. Oh.
Turning to Thursday's Times, Eric, and with all this bad news, you might want to try and get away from it all, but that's not going to work either. It uh, isn't. You're not going to go very far. You might make it to Heathrow or Gatwick, okay. which are lovely this time of year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you're not going to go very... You probably... It's saying you're not... There are thousands of flights still going out, but um, this story in the Times is about the fact that thousands of passengers have been disrupted because BA has canceled uh, roughly 118 flights recently. EasyJet has been canceling flights, which actually might be... a Good thing, mm -hmm. um, a blessing. Why are they canceling? It's a combination of planned cancellations because they're essentially short on staff and IT disruptions. Okay. But the people that they laid off during COVID aren't coming back fast, or people took voluntary redundancies. Okay. So now that the flights are upticking, yeah. they don't have people in position yet to replace them, and so they're trying to balance Same sort of thing increased with the hospitality demand. industry, that sort yeah. of thing. And probably similar to what's happening um, with the ambulances we yeah. talked about earlier. Still, this you will know. help the environment, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, if we had people coming in to work and do these jobs from maybe Europe, we wouldn't have this problem. Uh, but, you know, Brexit and we're free. More aeroplane news in Thursday's Daily Star, Diane. Uh, flight crews know what to do if the wait takeoff is so long that passengers actually start to pass away. Yes, so um, this was taken from uh, Reddit where people were asking questions to flight crew. Yeah. Uh, and um, flight crew claims that dead tourists are propped up so passengers don't freak out. Yeah. Now, um, obviously, if you, uh, what would you ask a cabin steward. If you had the chance to ask them anything, what would be your question? Well, what, what, not what do you do with stiffs? You well, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you could ask them anything, not just, not what would you, I mean, because they were asking this, they were asking questions to cabin crew on Reddit. They were just, you know, uh, and what, what would be the thing you would want to know? Have you ever had sex with the pilot while he's in the cockpit? <laughs> I suppose right? that would be the obvious one, you know, but I'm not sure I would ask them that. <laughs> Depends how well I knew him, I suppose. Well, I guess if you if you do work in the airline industry, please contact Simon on Twitter yeah. and let him know. <laughs> so many people said, well, what happens if somebody dies during the flight? Yeah. And it's um, quite a uh, lovely answer, really, mm. uh, in that if they discover that a passenger has passed away during the flight, they will wrap them in blankets. They will make them appear as though they were sleeping. Right. And, or um, as though they are a mummy, by the sound of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, not that. It's not like they're, like, rolling the them and no, embalming okay. them. Yeah. Not doing that. Do they not get, I mean, the, if they flop to the side, the blankets aren't going to help. But I suppose there is the possibility oh, you get a sort of strap around pillow. the neck and hold, yeah, yeah. okay. You get a little Although pillow. that's what those sort of um, flexible headrests, aren't oh, they, that no. come around. That's probably what it's or for. Or like yeah. your neck thing. Yeah. Little yeah. lavender. Well, for some time, I've been trying to get them to create a thing, like basically a helmet you can wear on flights with powerful Velcro at the back that would just <laughs> attach to the seat. So you don't, you know, and then you can just literally flop. And on trains as well. I mean, I always fall asleep but the head goes down and then the dribble comes out. Just put a little block underneath your chin. Yes, exactly that. That's I've thought about that a lot. I've tried to come up with all these little things. Like Salvador Dali used to have those props in his paintings, you know, that held up, you know, the soft boneless mm -hmm. kind of constructions and then there'd be a sort of crutch. Just want one of those on the, on the chin. <laughs> Welcome back to the final part of Headliners for this evening with me, Simon Evans, and I'm with Diane Spencer and Eric McElroy. So, 
Thursday's Times kicks off part three, Eric, and we Brits have always fancied ourselves as good drivers, but it seems the French have a different opinion. Well, surprisingly, the French, they think they are the best, <laughs> um, when in actuality they may not be the best drivers. Um, this was a survey um, of 11,000 odd drivers, I think, uh, and their own views of themselves and how they react <laughs> in driving. Um, and of course, the French are the French. They're going to mm. think that they're good. Um, the Germans apparently s were the most foul-mouthed. According they, to the French. According, no, this is also according to the German, the oh, Germans okay. were they did different countries. Oh, okay. So the French spoke highly of themselves. Yeah. As they're French, the Germans admitted that they swore the law a lot, probably because oh, okay. they're upset with people breaking the rules. Yeah. Swedes, you don't think about the Swedes getting upset. Apparently, they're fine until somebody's tailgating them, and then they lose their stuff. Mm, um, the Britons, obviously, we overtake on the inside. In hey, the UK. right. I would just we like do? to defend that. Yes. No, I would just because it said that it happened on motorways. No, I am not overtaking on the inside. That person is in the wrong lane on the motorway. They're going far <laughs> too slowly, and they should pull over to the left. And I am just educating them. But, uh, what I like to do is go all the way around them to make the point. Go all you the know, way all, you pass go them, away and around go the away, A road, and then you yeah, pull, pull off at it. Um, but who do you think are the most aggressive drivers according to this survey? Women. <laughs> Are we looking for a nationality? Uh, yes, that's what the story is. Italian? About. Yep, got the Italians, Greeks, yeah. Spain, you're, uh, and you're, French. You're, you're a high spirited, down there, right? Used, there used um, to always be a joke that, I don't know if it's aggression exactly, but the shortest period of time on the road is that between the lights changing and the first horn sounding. <laughs> road, certainly. I don't know if it's still the same, though. There are things that change, aren't there? I, I, I've noticed the last time we were actually in Rome, which was about five years ago, um, I didn't realise until uh, like about half an hour in, it dawned on me that there were no other cars there at all. And mm. we had, in fact, broken the law by driving <laughs> into Rome. It's like they don't just have a congestion charge. They essentially have a, a, a no-car zone, you know. Right. You, oh, you, wow. you, yeah. And so once we'd realised, of course, that the fine was coming our way, Fantastic. We just had the whole of Rome to ourselves. <laughs> I think it ended costing us about 80 quid, but we literally parked outside the Pantheon. I mean, like, it, as, if, as if I was like the emperor, that's, you know. I think that's one of the most guy. British things I've ever heard. Yeah, it's just wonderful. Oh, it was fantastic. totally worth it. I was absolutely fine with that. Um, I do think it's quite interesting that every single, I mean, everyone thinks apparently that they're a better driver than they are. They, mm. You know, it's one of those things we all overrate. I will hold my hand up and say I'm not a great driver. I'm mm. okay, you know, and cars are a lot easier to drive now, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, my goodness, the reversing camera thing, you know, which, yeah. I mean, it's just absurdly, mine now has a sort of, it has a reversing camera image and then an overhead image with, with actual thing, you know, not like a sort of graphic, but actually like, I don't know how it's created. Like it's got its own <laughs> private satellite. Wow. It's absolutely, you hardly have to do anything anymore. It, it has a little heads up display and a little, um, you know, in the, in the uh, windscreen and, a, and a, a symbol appears if you're getting too close to cars in front of you. Yeah. And even if you're at cruising speed, it will drop your speed. If, you're, if it thinks you're getting too close. I mean, it's, it, we're really but, getting close to driverless see, without if, having happened yet. If you are French, you don't need these things. No, I know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I have never made love to a beautiful woman. And, uh... <laughs> so, to the Metro, Diana, and as the cost of living crisis starts to bite, 
Money-saving experts are coming to the fore. Yes. Obviously, there's a, there are one or two that we already know, but we have a new heroine, I believe. We have a new heroine. So a woman called Rosie Forshaw from Cheshire, um, she was drowning in debt, but she uh, has paid it off with money-saving hacks. And mm. she um, urges you to find her on Instagram yeah. and uh, she will assist you And her you name with is her Rosie Forshaw. Forshaw. That's a great name. It's like some made-up sort of uh, guru kind of name, isn't yes. it? I like that. Rosie, Rosie for sure. sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she um, essentially was... Obviously, when you're in debt, you can mm. spiral and spiral and spiral, and especially yeah. with the cost of living crisis, uh, people who are already in a difficult position may find their position gets worse. What kind of debt was she in? Uh, she said that she owed about £2,500 uh, and she had a CCJ against her. Oh, blimey. What so significant. That that's, that's a bit harsh. Well, never mind. I guess it happened. Yeah, uh, it happened. She we, she doesn't go into into too much, but obviously there's a psychological impact uh, yeah. when you you get that county court judgment and mm. uh, and you're thinking about money. A lot of the time, it can really impact your oh, life. Yeah. So um, you start buying things to cheer yourself up. <laughs> which I mean, it's true though, isn't it? People yeah. do. You know, you get into that. So what did she do? Do we have any of these um, hacks? Or is she's it got a lot. Of, oh yeah, she's got quite a few hacks. Uh, I mean, for a start, she went to the Citizens Advice Bureau, which I think is really good because they yeah. help to arrange sort of a repayment plan. Yeah. Um, and that's a really good way of doing it because you have sort of an arbit... arbit Arbitration. So, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yes, you have the person in between. Um, and she does say uh, that, uh, for example, go to the staff in your local supermarket and say, at what time do you mark things down, please? Oh, I thought, yeah, at what time do you get off? Oh. <laughs> Just, that's yeah. another way to get food in the supermarket as well. I've got a French carrier that I would like you to take for a drive. Um, yeah, so yeah she... the yellow stickers, I mean, they are pretty good now, aren't they? The yellow yeah. sticker things. If you're not that fussy about what you eat, what form your calories comes in. I bought a packet of sandwiches today as part of a meal deal and it had 555 calories like in massive numbers in a big circle with like a bazaar and I couldn't decide whether it was saying that it was only 555 calories <laughs> or, oh, oh, you're going to be fine. <laughs> this will fill Do you know what I mean? With the cost of living thing, yeah. it used to be, generally speaking, if something looked filling but, but had low calories, that mm. was a great deal. But now I would assume actually you need... You need, you need the, the opposite. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You want something low cost that's going to fill you yeah. up. I love a yellow sticker, though, I do. <laughs> do you like that? It's just a shame they're only on sandwiches and not on... Yeah. No. I mean, she did have some other good tips. My favourite tip that she had was um, you can make your avocados last longer. If you put them in a jar of water, they can last a month. I tell you, I've got an even better tip. Yeah. Eat something else. <laughs> Eat something less but, expensive and less disgusting and slimy. What, but if you put advice? the avocados in formaldehyde, they last oh. even longer than a month. You can and then you don't have to eat them. Um, the other thing is you can put mushrooms in like your bolognese to stretch the meat, which I think might have been, remember years ago with the horse meat scandal? Right. Maybe they were just doing a little bit of stretching back Did then. Did you say mushrooms? Mushrooms, yeah. Ah, I like mushrooms. Are they regarded as a meat substitute? I yeah, yeah. If you if you chop them up really small, yeah. and then you mix them in with the oh, mint, you can just fool yourself. Yeah, you, you can stretch though. your bolognese yeah. and stretch your burritos or whatever else you're eating. Horse lasagnas. That was the best one. Yeah, yeah. I loved a horse lasagna. That my favourite mm. joke was the uh, what kind of cheese do they have in horse lasagna? And it was mascarpone. <laughs> Oh, that's such a good... It felt that's like the brilliant. whole scandal being picked up just for that one joke. <laughs> Staying with the Metro, Eric, um, I like a bit of rap music as much as the next man, but 40 hours in a row, that seems a bit much. I thought you'd be a, a rap uh, Oh, yeah. I like rapping teachers, mainly. Yes, and that's uh, what we have here. Yeah. This is a British school teacher who's based in Spain now, um, De uh, Daniel Alcone. Um, he rapped for 
40 hours straight mm. and establish a new Guinness World Record. Um, the previous uh, person was an Irishman named Liam Reeves who did only 36 hours. So wow. really, I mean, so anybody, I could, do, yeah. I could do 36 hours. I mean, anybody can. Um, but Did he have like a script or whatever you could, like a lyrical? He, you know? No, I think no, it was improvised like rap. Like, right. I'm not going to try and rap. but yeah. um, I can't do that at all. So 40 yeah. hours, it's hard yeah. to imagine how. It, ta well, he had breaks. So he was allowed 30 seconds to catch his break, uh, breath between raps. Um, the beats had to be continuous throughout yeah. the raps. And he was given a five minute break every hour in right. which he said he was survived on kiwis, grapes, and tea. And watered um, avocados. Yeah, and I would imagine a lot of runs to the toilet in between. He said he yeah. drank tea the entire time for 40 hours. And so is it is there like a, is it on YouTube or something? Can we see it? Um, well, it's, it's part of the Guinness Book of World Records now. And so it's been done. And he did it for so a charity nice... called Key Changes and raised money oh. for them, which is lovely. And um, yeah, he's got a world record to his name. There are, there are a whole genre, though, of teachers who rap. If you watch rap battles on, mm. on, on YouTube, there was one, who, I don't think it was the same chat, very funny, he used to take on his pupils and they would, and they, you know, they how they diss each other, this yeah. the yeah. whole, like, you know, your mama. He was very, very <laughs> clever and funny, and, and the kids thought so too. It wasn't just me as an old time ago. Well, actually, I think the teacher's rather good. The, the, kids, <laughs> were, the kids were falling around. It's a great, um, it's a great subset of rap. <laughs> Teacher rap. Are you rap fan, Diane? Uh, a little bit. No. I'm. I'm quite a fan. I do like a bit of Ludacris, a bit of Kanye West. Um, but I think what is incredible is that he did have like the inspiration would be the hardest because mm. imagine sort of doing like a radio show or a podcast for 36 or 40 yeah. hours. Mark Watson did one, didn't he? And yeah, and it just, you start really, to lose to your fair. mind. The Thursday's mail now, and if you fancy moving to a remote Scottish island, this could be the time. Ah, so yeah. I'll go. Scottish government <laughs> is handing oh. out £50,000 golden hellos to anyone moving to one of its remote islands to boost their it should population. Should be a hello, should be an okai or something, shouldn't it? They should hello! Make, they should make, I should have done yes. it like that. A golden hello. <laughs> You've so, had your tea. <laughs> they're trying to um, populate the Scottish islands yes. who, that have a range of uh, people. The populations range from one person. What, on a whole island? One wow. to 20,000. And well, that um, sounds viable. Yeah, but the problem is, is that a lot of people um, are retirees. You know, mm. they're going, oh, when we retire, we'll buy a beautiful house on a Scottish island. And it means that the populations are actually quite old. Yeah. Nobody wants to run the shop. Nobody's Nobody... running the coffee. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. There's, there's you know what I would think, though? I wouldn't mind a year or two. Do you know there was a very famous novel was written on a Scottish island mm. on the Isle of Jura, which I believe is one of the ones that you can cash in and go up there now. Do you know which? No. no. Have a guess. No, no. The, the man went there because he had tuberculosis and it was thought to be good for his health, but it didn't work. He died shortly after completion. Oh. 1984 was written ah. on the Isle of Jura by George Orwell. There we go. Most of it, which I think is quite striking and surprising, isn't it? Because you would assume yes. he'd have been surrounded by concrete and... Um, yeah, because the way he describes everything in that yeah. book, you'd think he would be, like, Imagination. In a he was standing out on a nice... Veranda, watching the gulls and termigots or whatever they're yeah. called. Well, Te teals, very possibly. <laughs> Arcing overhead and then went back in and, and, and summoned up dystopia. Let us switch to the sun next, Eric. I mean, as in the newspaper, rather than in, in, in <laughs> contrast to the Scottish islands.
Uh, while you might have a lot of room if you move to a Scottish island, the London property market is a very different proposition at the yeah. moment. Yeah, you don't need these islands where you've got nature and animals and they're desperate for people to live there. Mm. Be in London uh, where a posh home could be yours for a thousand pounds a month. Mm. Sounds like a good price in London. But it's a little bit small. It's 108 square feet. And the shower... What? The whole house, the flat, 108 yes. square feet. There's yeah. no toilet. And the toilet that's, is that's not in the flat. That's 10 foot by 11, roughly. Yep. Um, the shower is in the wardrobe, which is a great... Because then you can steam your clothes as you shower. You, you come oh off a corridor it. and that's your whole flat. Yeah. So it's a thousand pounds a month for that. Um, they've got a microwave in there for your meals of one. Um, it does say it advertises fitted wardrobes and it's a great location close to local amenities, which obviously you would need to, those local amenities a lot because you've got no room to do anything in your flat. This is sometimes the, uh, the first little bat squeak of distress from the London property market <laughs> might mean that a fall is coming, a crash. Is on the way. I don't know. What do you think, Diane? Would you spend? I don't. Oh my God! I think there should be laws yeah. against landlords renting out properties. A like minimum that. size. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Would you not rather, for instance? I mean, this is popular in San Francisco. People double rent things. Mm. So you get like a decent sized apartment, but there's three of you. Yeah. Maybe renting it in. It's a bit like in submarines, you know, somebody's always in the bed. Mm. You know, you just work different shifts. All right, I see. I see. So you, yeah. you rent with, like, somebody who does the night shift. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. I get you. People who work in IT in San Francisco now, very often that's the first rung on the property ladder. The first flat house I lived in in London, we, it was me and um, it was a three-bedroom house. We used the living room as a bedroom and one of the closets as a bedroom. It was me and five Swedish women. Thursday's Mirror next, and a fresh twist in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. Diane, this is uh, this is right yes. your. Oh, I love it. So. Um... Amber Heard is in trouble for so many reasons in mm. this. I mean, for a start, she actually changed her story about when Johnny Depp first laid a hand on her, but right. that is not what we are discussing right now. No. There have been many twists and turns during this trial, and it's very interesting because she rode the Me Too movement and she published this article about how she was being abused, mm. which um, she never explicitly named Johnny Depp, but everybody um, worked out that it was, mm. and now he is suing her, so this is the defamation trial. Yeah. And and um, Kate Moss took to the stand because Amber Heard made a massive error in that she tried to defend the, the, one of the times that she punched Johnny. She, mm. she said, oh, I just, I just imagined uh, Kate Moss and stares. And the second she said that, you can see it on YouTube. You can see Johnny Depp's lawyer turn around and fist bump. Because <laughs> yes. he knew that Kate Moss would come up and say... then they knew yeah. that they could get Kate yeah. Moss... In. So Kate Moss denies the rumour that Johnny Depp pushed her down the stairs. And it's it's yeah. barely three minutes that she they're takes the stand. They're still on good terms. Oh, they're still on good terms. Yeah. She says, he never attacked me, he never hurt me. And what is most amazing is she got amazing Wi-Fi in Gloucestershire. I think it's a shame they're not <laughs> still together. And to be honest, I think they'd have been a much more attractive couple, Moss and Depp. Feels like them. Oh, like, my God, imagine the kids... Just imagine what they would have looked the like. The cheekbones. <laughs> the cheekbones alone. Cut glass. <laughs>
The Sun, I think this will be our last story of the evening, has news of Anthony Joshua, Eric. And yes. uh, he may have lost his world heavyweight title. He's not the first man I would choose to hurl abuse at, even from the safety of a student flat. Yes, um, so some gobby students were yelling out their flat window. Apparently he was walking by mm. and, um, and he decided, um, I don't know if he's a bit of a snowflake. He got a little bit upset. Yeah. I'm not going to call him that. Just joking. <laughs> um, oh, he's coming in the studio. Um, he managed <laughs> to get into this flat and so he got into to the university accommodation, right. got into the student's room and basically gave them a piece of his mind. Do we have a clip of this? I think we might be able to see it. Is that... No. Here we go. The room you're ending up is when I bring people up here and I start cracking your glass drawers and then you will like it. When your drawers start breaking, people start chasing you out of this union, you don't know you will like it. Watch your mouth because you don't know you're talking to sometimes. Wow. Very powerful. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to crack their glass jaws. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. On the one hand, you shouldn't taunt people as no. they're walking past your flat. That's true. And they were called on it, and he wasn't actually thumping them or anything. But on yeah. the other hand, it's a bit naff, isn't it's it? A, it's a bit... It shows he is a little bit thin-skinned. I mean, yeah, but I would... Well, no, I don't know. I mean, because I went to Loughborough University, right. and they've got a very... <gasps> sort of culture there. Sports science. Isn't it? Uh, the birthplace yeah. of sports science. And do you know what? Like, I can just... We don't know what abuse they held at him. No. And I think that is absolutely brilliant that he took the time to go up there and instead of just letting it pass, because they'll hurl abuse at other people, yeah. instead he went up there and he went, why'd you do that? What do you feel? They're... Well, they're lucky it wasn't Mike Tyson because he would have bit their ears off. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely... I don't think even when he's 80, anyone will be shouting things like that at Mike Tyson. He's absolutely terrifying. That is all we have time for. Thank you to my guest, Headliners. is back tomorrow with Andrew Doyle hosting. In the meantime, I've been Simon Evans. My thanks to Diane and Eric. I hope you have a very happy Thursday. Take care. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring.